Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the All of You Whole podcast, hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Go ahead and hit that pause button and then the plus button to subscribe to this show so you get more impactful content each and every week. We would also love it if you would leave a five-star rating and review. This helps people you and I don't even know find the show. And lastly, please share an episode you love with whoever you can. Sharing is caring, and that's how we continue to grow. And as always, I am forever grateful for your support. Today on the show, we chat with Meredith Garrigan, who is in charge of partner recruitment and field support for In Soil Algae. Guys, I am now obsessed with in-soil algae. It is the coolest thing I've heard about in the regenerative agriculture space in a long time. Here's the deal. There are so many companies who are using technology to attempt to reverse climate change. And honestly, the thing that I keep coming back to is that the most successful reversals of climate change have to do with nature healing nature. So this is one of those things. Sure, it's a little bit of technology, but for the most part, it literally is just using a strain of algae to heal the planet. Super, super cool, y'all. So you are going to hear all about how in-soil algae works. You can use it at home on your own houseplants or in your garden, which I will now be doing both, or it has huge applications in the agriculture space. I can't wait for you to hear all about InSoil Algae, and if you want to get InSoil Algae for either your farm, if you're a farmer, or your home, please be sure to check out the show notes for a special link. Okay, without further ado, let's chat with Meredith. Welcome to the show, Meredith. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So first, can you tell us a little bit about you? So I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Love it. And yep, it's a beautiful city to be in. It's a little rainy right now. Um, (laughs) I live with my husband, Tucker, and we have two children, Finney and Addie. And we've lived here for about 20 years. We knew we needed to be near the beach and lots of trees. So it's a really beautiful place to have grown a family. It's where I started really growing food and starting to garden here. And there's a lot of lush landscapes surrounding us. So very inspiring place yeah, to be. I love Charleston so much. We lived in Savannah for a couple of years and we would go up to Charleston as much as we could because it's so beautiful and so wonderful. Yeah, it is. It is. There's lots of great people here. There's a ton of creativity and friendship and music and life happening here. So yeah, it's a good place to be. Space, Yeah. Awesome. So how did you first start to care about soil health? I know you mentioned gardening. Yeah. So I grew up in Mississippi Mm. and my dad had a garden. My grandfather had a garden and a dairy. And then our family are full of farmers in the Delta and Mississippi. Yeah. I definitely remember noticing when we were driving back and forth to my grandparents' houses, I would lay in the back seat and look upside down at the crops passing through in the windows. It was very meditative. And that like vision comes back to me a lot. Yeah, I love that. Uh, And while I'm doing what I'm doing now currently, I have definitely taken a trip back to see what steps got me here 
mm. um, working in this way. Yeah. And that's the first kind of memory image from childhood that the crops there. I really started growing food here in the backyard, probably 16 or so years ago. Once I started growing food on my own and growing flowers and kind of own, I really started to pay attention to what I was putting into the soil or why things were not right. growing well. Yeah. And so you just start to ask questions. Why yeah. is this not working? Somewhere along the way, I had a friend, Scott Bunn came by and visited he has the Seneca Treehouse project and it's a, a learning center there. He came in and he said, let's see how you're growing in the back. And I remember he took all of my seeds that I was planning to put out in a very methodical way, the way that most people do in a garden. And he put them all together in his hand, shook them around and threw them back out. And he said, this is how mother nature would do it. Let's see what makes it and what doesn't, what survives and what doesn't. And that chaos was like so freeing to me. Like, That's oh, cool. this is exciting. So then my husband and Bill at the time had built these beds for me in the back as a surprise. And I'd been growing in them for years. It was really a place of solace and comfort to me. But this new kind of comfort of let's see what comes next. Now what's going to pop up it is now how I grow a lot of things. It's with design, but like chaos within order. It's really started my journey of how to listen to the earth and what's working and what's thriving. And right. that was definitely a moment. And then soon after that, the Standing Rock protest started. Mm-hmm. And I remember really being drawn to the plight that was happening there and how a whole community did not actually have any access to clean water and also didn't have any say in what happened to right. their land and world around them. So yep. I got really involved there and said, I'm here in Charleston. How do I protect water? How do I protect life from where I am? Right. And so that really, that kind of really started driving my focus. I started saying, I can teach people here how to protect their water, how to protect our waterways, how to conserve resources. Sure. And I grew up in a household that was very much about conserving resources. Ah. Don't put the light on when you leave the room. For sure. Don't touch the thermostat. Yes. Same, same. Don't be in a wasteful, don't live in a wasteful way. That that definitely directed my passion. And after Standing Rock, the biggest driver for what I'm doing now is that I lost my dad soon after that. Mm. He obviously influenced my world in such a huge way. It's very spiritual, not mm-hmm. spiritual in nature, yeah. spiritually, just in true spirit and right. kindness and as a human. And something he kept saying in the last week that he was alive was, did you remember to plant the seeds? He would be transitioning in and out of life. And he would just come back. And he said that statement over and over again. I was laying next to him for pretty much that whole week passing on. And so that statement drives everything that I do. Did you remember to plant the seeds? And I would say, oh, yes, I did. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got it. Yeah, I love that. So that statement now drives pretty much everything. And I decided from that moment that I was going to devote all of my time to helping others grow medicine, really Mm -hmm. connect with nature, protect their water and learn how to grow your own medicine, grow your own food, know how to take care of your body and the earth and your community all at once. Yeah. Why not? I love it so much. Yeah. (laughs) We have a garden here in Denver, Colorado, and it's so funny to see people like in like where you live in Charleston, I have good friends in Chattanooga and like everybody in the Southeast. And that's where we're from. That's where our roots are. And we would have just like open compost piles in the back that would just like 
just grow. Like you don't even have to do it. It just grows. And so here I'm like, oh, our season is so short. Like I'm literally this week getting tomatoes for the first time all summer. Like Colorado's growing (laughs) season is like our June was basically April. It was rainy and cold. And so it's just so funny to compare different growing zones. And like, I love growing my own food, but I'm also so sad that our seasons are so short and we can grow so much less here, but I still love it. Nonetheless, I like eat tomatoes from my garden. I'm like, so thankful. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, I'm telling my kids, I'm like, we grew this. And they're like, okay, mom. I'm like, no, you need to know. <laughs> this yeah, took this, work. And <laughs> this took work. There's an extra a nutrient additive that is natural. Right. You've grown it yourself. Oh my gosh. Out, and you've talked to that plant. Exactly. And you've encouraged them and you've tended to them. And 100%. That is medicine and that is accessible to everyone. Everyone can be an earth tender and then receive the medicine back from that. Right. I totally agree. So I love hearing like all of the things that led to where you are today. So how did you start working with in-soil algae? In-soil algae. So I formed Wecology Growing Solutions, Wecology Gardens as the framework of how to help people grow at home, designing closed loop systems for them, catch your water, grow your food, grow your medicine, Mm. hold on to your resources. Don't let it flow out into the street and um, with chemicals and all these things. There was a farm that I wanted to work on since they had a really great off-grid solar powered closed loop system and a very diverse mix of market vegetables. So the first day I worked on that farm, they were trialing the algae. And so my jobs actually had the worst job I've ever had in my life on the same (laughs) day that I had the best job. I had one of the just forever in a day, I will have one the worst job of my life day on that first day, (laughs) but also the best opportunity because that's where I was starting to keep data in the field with the algae. So I walked out and I just said, oh my goodness, this is, you can feel the vitality. You can feel Mm. the difference in plants that are happy and thriving. Right. And in these spaces, I could feel that. And I immediately said, well, what is this? You know, it's a live strain of chlorella vulgaris. And I said, this is going to change everything. I want to take this back to Mississippi. I literally looked at the grower and I said, I want to take this back to Mississippi. We'll need this there. We have very depleted soils and a lot of the farmland there and just really trying to think about, I just, immediately wanted to take yeah. it back. And I came home and told my husband, I said, this is going to change everything. And so from that point on, I stayed involved with utilizing the algae in some of my own landscape designs, yeah. some of my own work, while the team behind the scenes, a phycologist, marine biologist, mm. uh, Dr. George Taylor, our founder, yeah. Dale, Jennifer, all of this group from Sweetgrass Gardens, And Dr. Taylor is a cardiologist at MUSC, had been working together in this sphere of trying to grow healthy food at Sweetgrass Gardens for the Sea Islands, Mm. Um, free, healthy, nutritious food for the food banks surrounding them. So they were working on how to grow this algae and keep it at a commercially viable level. They were funding all of the research for how do we offer this and make it accessible in larger systems, not just, sure. on, not just at Sweetgrass Gardens. I was separated from that work, but we're keeping sending information back to them. Yeah. And once they had the system, oh, and Chris just, they had a, formed a really amazing team yeah. to work on this 
you know, this issue of how to keep the algae alive and viable. That is why it never really turned into a sustainable business model for others because that component was missing. How do you grow Mm. a large strain in a clean environment and then keep that colony alive and stable? Mm. Now we're up to six months shelf life in a refrigerated or a dark environment, which it's changed the algae itself in the way that we grow it. So that was the magic. And once they had that developed, they reached back out and said, we really want to form a business around what we've now developed. It's time to share it with the world. And so Tucker and I joined in and we just, we have a really great team that's mission-minded. So, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to help people. And the reactions we get back from farmers and growers out in the field are insane. Yeah. Just popped off of was a grower who's been using the algae for two years in a dry land setting of hemp and the buds are huge. The plant is dense, so happy. And we're just, we are always getting this feedback. I love that. It keeps you going. I love it so much. Okay. So before we get too deep into insoil algae, tell us exactly what it is and how it works. Okay. And soil algae is a live strain of chlorella vulgaris. It's a single strain of chlorella. The reason this strain was chosen is because it was proven as a real workhorse in the agricultural world in other countries. There's a lot of white paper and data behind the use of microalgae in, you know, hydroponic systems, in extending Mm. shelf life, in increasing root mass in plants and all sorts of stress adaptation qualities that it has. So we're growing a single strain and the magic is in how we grow it. Once the algae is bottled and sent out to the grower, the mechanisms that we knew for the first three years that we were talking about were as a biostimulant, the algae Mm. sprayed at a very small micro amount out into the field. We only Mm. use eight ounces per acre. So it's a very small amount of the live biology because it's so powerful. You don't need a lot at all. Eight ounces. That's crazy. It's a very small amount with a very large effect. So you don't have to flood the system. Once the algae is sprayed out into the field, there's their biostimulant. So there's a communication that's happening there with the plants. So the mechanisms that we talked about in the very beginning were that when the algae are sprayed out into the field, they'll land on the plant leaf. When the stomata is opened up on the plant leaf, so you're having a more efficient solar panel here Mm. happening. More efficient photosynthesis happening in the plant creates more activity down below, sugar Mm. exchange below with the biology there. It's also stimulating the biological community that lives around the root system. Hundreds of thousands of microorganisms there. And the algae works with all of them, every single one of them. It interacts with all of them. It doesn't pick and choose one bacterial species. Right, yeah. um, Fungal species. It's interacting with both fungal and bacterial communities. So those are the mechanisms we're talking about for the first three. We're at our three-year anniversary, actually, this month. But this spring, we did a study with Dr. James White at Rutgers University. Mm. And the discovery there, Dr. James White, studies rhizophagy. And Mm -hmm. what he discovered, he and his team discovered is that the algae are also acting as a carrier. They are endophytic. So they're actually entering the root hairs of the plant, carrying bacterial species directly into the root hairs of the plant, delivering them there, 
and then repeating the cycle again. So we're not sure what bacteria they're carrying in. What's been chosen and what's beautiful about the algae is that using the live strain leaves this communication up to the plants and the biology there. This is the natural, we're just supporting the natural interaction that happens as humans, we're not dominating the conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. And so this is, okay. So typical, let's compare this for a second to a typical fertilizer or things that people are typically putting on their plants. Mm -hmm. It sounds worlds different, but let's talk a little bit about like when a traditional farmer, thousands of acres, talk to us about what they're putting on their plants. So every farmer we've talked to is in a different situation. There's a very diverse set of practices happening out there, but we want to talk about a traditional setting of chemical farming versus biological farming. And then there's everything in between. There's so many people using both. Traditionally, the green revolution was utilizing these byproducts to create fertilizers for plant systems, delivering, let's just take the one nitrogen, delivering nitrogen directly to the plant gives the plant the synthetic nitrogen that it needs to grow, but it bypasses the natural system and the natural interaction and community exchange that's happening in the root zone of the plant. Plants are highly intelligent beings. They they know what they need. They're negotiating for it. They're communicating and utilizing what's there. When you bypass the system, the system is the biology. Then if the biology is not needed to break down, capture nitrogen from the air, fix it and exchange it with the plant, break down phosphorus, exchange it with the plant and make it bioavailable. When you bypass that system, your biology is not needed. It's bypassing a system that needs to be robust, that needs to be needed, that has a function. So all of these years of bypassing the system has really depleted the amount of in our soils. Oh yeah. There's a lot of biology that's gone dormant. There's a lot that's Mm -hmm. been negated by these actions. So what we've tried to do is we meet all of our growers wherever they are. Mm. Everybody's system is so different. So it's really exciting. Every day I'm having a conversation. Nobody is going to have the same plan as Mm. even their neighbor. Yeah. Wow. And everyone's soil is in a different shape and different various ways of being depleted. Right now, we talk about soil health, but we look at how we help our growers from a whole systems designs approach. We are not just one magic strain of algae that comes in. We do have mother nature's molecules, as Ray says, um, which is why it works so well. But we also want to talk about, okay, how do we meet your bottom line? How do we create ROI for you? How do we look at other practices that you could integrate with? this transition off of some of these chemicals that have made us yeah. very dependent. And sometimes that's a sensitive conversation. And sometimes oh, for sure. people are just ready to go for it. For sure. Oh, yeah. Try something new and be innovative and curious with us. So we spent the first couple of years of trials and of building the business, really giving algae away to so many groups of growers. So yeah. Try it. Just trial it. Give us all your feedback. Yeah. Let us know what you're seeing. Anecdotal data is just as good as analytical data. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, we need both. We need what are you seeing? How are your animals interacting? Mm, Yeah. 
graphs and heavy analysis from our university study. So we're using all of that to um, educate folks on how you can create a healthier system and healthier plants, healthier people, water, all the things. I love it. So typically farmers are having to subsidize, put chemical fertilizers in the soil. You talked about nitrogen, phosphorus. It's also potassium. Are these things, these are the things that when we went to commercial agriculture and we're just planting crop after crop, those are the things that are really getting depleted from the soil. Does does the algae actually have those elements in it or is it like it's helping the soil somehow gain it? Or like, how does that work? Right. That's a really great question because we do not consider ourselves a fertilizer. Yeah. We, we are not providing nutrients to the plants. Hmm. We are a biostimulant and algae is an ancient ancestor. Of sure. Plants. Oh, yeah. Doing its thing. Chlorella vulgaris is located all over the globe, arid mm. regions, alpine regions. We just tapped into this one piece of nature to utilize and replenish the system. There are bacterial species and fungal species that are creating the nutrients for the plants. Mm. That's where the nutrients are coming from. There's yeah. nitrogen in the rain when the rain falls, there's nitrogen right. in the air, there's organic, inorganic nitrogen available when there's enough biology to make it available. Uh, so what we do with cool. the algae is we see it as a way to boost and grow and support the biology yeah. that offers the nutrients in the exchange with the plants. Yeah. With the plants root systems. And we've seen these microbial populations grow. We've seen the diversity. Yeah. That's where the magic is. When the diversity of the species grow, all of these different jobs are happening and being yeah. taken care of by the life in your soil, then we're hoping we're supporting a system that will be working for you. So you'll be working less every, yeah. we have so many farmers who have second jobs, they're tapped. They are just putting everything in at the beginning of a season, hoping commodity prices will come out so right. that they can some on this. It's a, our, our farmers and our growers are under duress. They're so stressed. Oh, for sure by the system itself. Right. So what I like to think is that the work that we're doing to help shift a little bit creates an ease for the growers and ease working with nature will put you into the flow of ease. It will put yeah. you into a, a state of abundance, the yeah. mindset, all of the things come along with that. So supporting the biology in your soil is also a long-term investment. It's right. like, there's so many win-wins to it, but if you're, if you have access to land, you want that land to be healthy and you want that land to be able to be able to be productive for sure. So you wouldn't just throw money away and throw it into a hole and you really wouldn't damage a huge investment of yours. Right. You were actually damaging it for the long term. Yeah. You wouldn't do that to it. Once, once you start to make those connections with your body, sure. your skin, you really want to stop hurting for sure. Um, yeah. And to be fair in, in the fifties, when this started, it was very unclear what we were doing <laughs> to yeah. the earth when we started saying, oh, cool, these pesticides from the war let that we created for humans, let's use them to kill bugs. And then yeah. the funny thing is, I can't remember what documentary we were watching. My kids are like very into this. So they were watching something with me and they were like, pesticides were made to kill humans. We use them on bugs. And they were like, they still kill humans. <laughs> 
I know it's the worst. And they're like, why would they do that? But at the time it felt like the whole vibe was like, we're going to industrialize. We're going to make things, we can do things bigger and better and all these things, not realizing what we were really breaking. Like we were really just de depleting the soil, just taking the animals out of agriculture, all these different things that ended up being so harmful, but it's super cool. I feel like you guys are doing such a great thing. It's like you, in, in a way you're using technology, but in the most nature-based way possible, right? And so what a perfect mixture of the two in a way that actually is repairing and not depleting, which is more of what we need. Okay, cool. I want to understand better when someone starts using in-soil, is it likely that they're going to need less NPK in the mix because of how the in-soil works? Yes, cool. absolutely. So the in-soil is doing that and you're also encouraging other practices that yeah. might be an investment up front, long-term is going to just be healing the soil. Yes, exactly. We were at a conference this weekend and Ray, Archuleta was, uh -huh. was and talking about the software of the system of the earth is biodiversity. Yeah. And biodiversity is everything. You oh, do yeah. not want to live in a homogenous system. You don't no. want to be in a homogenous space. You don't want to surround yourself with all likes. So the diversity of the biological species that are added when you add a cover crop mix, you add compost teas, when you add the style, yeah. you you're adding biology and supporting the system mm. through diversity. Yeah. That is what keeps the system healthy in humans and in soil. Yeah, we true. We do not fare well in a homogenous system. You see this in forestry systems where trees right. are all the same. They're constantly yes. fighting disease and pestilence. Yeah. And, and you see this in human systems and oh, human yeah. Diet diversity sure. is key to long term health, vibrancy. Yes, by supporting the diversity in the system, mm. that's how we're supporting the health and showing we have some folks in pulling back on NPKs fully. Wow, now, we have 25%, 50%, 75% decreases. We have all across the wow. board 5%. Some folks yeah. are not ready to to reduce. So they're actually just adding algae to their program to boost their yields. We really want to support the biology. Some systems, Tucker and I were just out in California, are really, they're growing a monocrop system. They're needing to keep the system alive, but in even in organic systems, there's a kill down. There's weeds are sprayed. And if you're depleting your biology, you're always going to have to be working to build it back up and hey. you'll be building it up every system. We can help in every system in any way that we can, but our mission really is to pull back on chemicals everywhere we can. Sure. And I heard it described by Dr. White at a conference we were in, in Nebraska, beyond the yield. And one of the farmers said, how do we get it so wrong? And we right. hear a lot of questions like this, and we don't want anyone to feel like we were all, and he described it the best way. He said, we base our actions on imperfect knowledge. We are constantly striving for more knowledge, but we make our decisions based on the knowledge we have today. Yeah. Our job, and I feel like at In Soil, we feel this way. Our job is to keep our feelers out and our cones open and wide. And as we receive feedback, we're constantly able to observe and interact and observe and yeah, interact and, sure. and listen and interact and listen and change and listen and change. That's something that, you know, in a system where growers were given more prescriptive, here's what you did last year. Here's how much more you need this year and nothing has changed. 
we've forgotten that as our human bodies actually can register a feedback loop and change yeah, and make those decisions ourselves. So one of the real high points of having a conversation with some of our growers is how they feel out in their fields. Oh, I love their that. They're doing well when their crops doing well, when their soil is holding more water, when they yeah. see the dark, rich soil changing to this, what humus and what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Those things you can smell, those things oh, you can yeah. see, those things you can interact with. And yeah, that's definitely a joy of the job. It counterbalances the conversations where we have the heaviest criticism coming yeah. and we don't really, we're not ready to change or we don't see this working well in our system yet. Right. You know, we have conversations, few conversations like that. We have a lot more adoption than we, yeah. I think, even expected to have when we started this. Well, Fine. and honestly, like, I really appreciate that you're willing to work with anybody, right? On any scale, doing any practices, because the more of this that you get out there, the better for the world. But also you meet people in all facets of the health and wellness world who are so black and white. And oh my gosh, you feed your kids goldfish. We can't be friends. Like you have people who are so hard and fast about whatever it is. And I honestly just don't think that's beneficial for anybody, right? Like you're never going to help people make better choices if you're so cut and dry, that's such a turnoff to everybody. And so I love that you're like, wherever you are, we can work with you and we can help you, you know, improve the health of your soil. And is it true that using in soil ends up being less expensive? Absolutely. We Which have blows my mind because everything I do that's healthy is so expensive. Like yeah. <laughs> every single thing. Yeah. I know. Now across the board, we know that we can improve the health of the system so that we're improving the health of the system as a whole. You may need a couple of years of transition time investing in cover crops, which may be yeah. a different, a whole different investment for you, but in the long term reduces inputs as well yeah. in soil. Investing in you're starting to look at sap analysis and then make your judgments on what you're going to put out into the field after each tissue sample you get back. Mm. You may spend more in your labs. And then yeah. that's adjusting your micronutrients and everything that's going into the field. The way that we see it is if you just stop looking at just yield numbers, which a lot of people look at, we can affect your bottom line by looking at your ROI as far as reducing input costs, right? creating a more resilient system. We see mm. so many reports coming back of folks who have used end soil and then a rain or hail or wind event has come through and the crops with end soil have bounced back, uh. have withstood the stressor events. Wow. So in many ways, there's benefit. And it's hard to say in a system how that's going to show up. Sure. That it's yeah. so diverse. We went yeah. from a system, if you're going to go from a system that's very prescriptive and here's 200 pounds of this and we'll create this many bushels of yield, that is the old system. Yep. That is not, we don't make a statement on that kind of system. We're right. working dynamic, yeah. biological biologically driven system. Mm, yeah. So it's very hard to say exactly cut and dry here. If this, with this investment, this is how much your yield will be. Right. But our growers know this, they know their programs. They know how to work within yeah. the systems that have worked with us. And one in particular, Russell Hedrick, who's worked with us, just the kinds of information that he has provided from his 
work in the field and the way that he is willing to adapt and change and mm. try new things. He shares with other growers. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, everything's shared there. And if it doesn't affect the bottom line and it doesn't create ROI, there's feedback there. He's going to mm. give that feedback and say, well, this is where you need to adjust this, that, and the other. Working with growers like that has been amazing to us. We're just always yeah. we're learning from every system and every grower. And they have so many choices to make out there. Oh my gosh. Growers I can't even so imagine. Many options. It, yeah. it, it's pretty inundated in some ways what they're asked to do and to adopt and to yeah. adapt to. So again, that's why we're very just gentle in our approach. Mm. We're really lucky. We've got really lucky with our relationships. That's how we've yeah. grown. We haven't had a huge marketing campaign. We haven't right. had tons of dollars spent on branding and yeah. those sorts of things. It's just conversations and it's just relationships and it's trust. We have for sure moved at the speed of trust and yeah gotten really blessed with really great researchers, really great growers. Yeah. And they learn how efficient and um worthy the algae is to be talked about and to be yeah. implemented the system they tell I was gonna say it's farming communities are so tight knit. And you know that it's hey Bob. Your corn's looking pretty good. <laughs> What'd you do to your corn this season? Let me tell you about this algae. I can only imagine. That's so awesome. Previously, I've heard stories from farmers saying, we're using the traditional model and every single year, it's like we're using more and more inputs, meaning fertilizers, all the things you need to grow your plants more. And there's got to be a breaking point where number one, it gets to be so much that your profits are just decreasing and decreasing. And number two, it's like what I appreciate about InSoil is we're looking at the bigger picture. Like it's not just this year, right? It's our whole planet. <laughs> It's right. climate change. It's making sure that this is sustainable and not just in the trendy way that you say sustainable, literally meaning can we sustain life on this planet, right? If we keep doing things the way that we're doing it. And so I love that it's all, it's really all about health, right? It's the health of the soil is what you're after, which is so great. Okay. I want to know how this algae is created, made, grown. <laughs> how does that work? We have a hydroponic farm. How it's grown is is the magic. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's grown in a very clean environment. The way yeah. that we treat the algae, the way that we grow them is what it's pretty much, it's the magic part. It's turned them from an autotrophic to a heterotrophic species. They're able to live in dark. They're able to live longer life, but that part is our patentable. We've got a global patent. Oh, yeah. Now the process. Sure. The one thing I do want to mention about the process, I'm not talking about it too much, but if you look at energy efficiency, mm. what we're doing with the algae doesn't produce any byproducts. We're not harming. There's no harmful byproducts to growing algae. That cool. is, that's like gold star, something we're all very proud of, especially sure. if, you, if you think about changing one practice and withdraw some of these extractive right. based chemical synthetic fertilizers already just replacing some of that by making another choice yeah. is looking at the overall health of a business um of yours you're yeah you're contributing less to harming the planet totally. just, like, just yeah. withdrawing from buying the extractive synthetic yeah fertilizer. yeah that's already an improvement right there. yeah right there the other part about growing the algae is that one of our new labs two of our new labs one 
they're both by these beautiful bodies of water. Yeah. The one on Jones Island is on this beautiful body of water. We look out over the marsh. We don't worry one bit about harming the marsh with what we do. Yeah. That's a huge plus. Our next facility is near the Suwannee River. We have no doubt. We have nothing that will harm the Suwannee River yeah. with what we're doing. While protecting the water in the product itself, yeah. also in the production of the product, we are not harming the planet. We have reduced the energy it takes. We're not using extractive qualities. It's something I think about when we're at some of these conferences and we're talking about all of these various things that can help with your soil and rebuilding your soil. Yeah. But some of them are still mined in countries where the people around those mines yes. are not yeah. at all. Yeah. They have cancer rates risen. Mm. Like you have to think about the whole entire line. Of yes, absolutely. Yeah. I know that like my two girls generations, our generation, my generation, yeah. I think about that all the time. I've always yeah. thought about peeling back the layers of what sure. someone tells you you're buying. For sure. Mm-hmm. And people make fun of you. Here's the Portlandia episode about what did the chicken eat? And it's, <laughs> I, I remember laughing at that 12 years ago. And now I'm like literally asking these questions. Mm-hmm. It's even the jacket I'm wearing. It was made sustainably. I know the worker, the person who made it was paid well and signed a note to me. It's, it, it is important. It, it's all important. You go back in the chain as far as you can go and make sure that it's ethical the whole way, right? That is how business should be run. I love that so much. Okay, so you set aside your product. My main question was like, is it grown like cranberries like out in the ocean and you harvest it? No, so no. it's grown okay. indoors. It's hydroponic. It's right. grown we in a grow, lab. Yeah, we grow without giving all the details away. Yes. Yes, yeah, we grow in bioreactors. We grow a large amount of algae in a very small space. Yeah. That's a plus. As far as an expansion for the company, we're wanting production facilities that service within a 250 mile radius, not having to ship too much because it's shipping a lot of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very concentrated formula. So small amounts cover very large areas. And then we're looking at technology to grow mobile units that can be shipped to different areas and service a certain area. We don't want to be tied to a centralized model. We see how that has broken down in a supply chain. We are- Helping our growers relocalize all resources. Hey. We want to be part of that solution. Yeah. Too. But you need to really care for the algae to run the lab. And I have to say that the our folks that grew, that built the lab and grow and take care of the algae, they care about these colonies. They care about their environment. Yeah. Um, and that's what it takes to keep working hard every day and not be exhausted in the face of a really big challenge, big food and big ag, the power and the money that's oh in my it. Gosh. I, I didn't know it until I saw behind the curtain of a company like ours, a small company like ours could be hugely successful, I think with like less than 1% or 1% of the market. And that means there's a lot of control and power happening oh. in both food and ag. And that's what's getting us out from under that is like what you're doing here, sharing information about what we're doing, inspiring people to make small changes and the growers that are sharing information with each other. They're the ones that are getting out from under the thumb because once something works for you, instead of being in a highly competitive state, like I mentioned Russell earlier, he's in these coin competitions, high yield dryland coin competition, Mm -hmm. winning these in competition with friends, but also sharing his whole program. Mm, This is how you lift people up. This is you create a competitive environment. The only reason that was created is to keep people under the thumb. 
That's right. how you keep people there. So the one of the best things about what we're doing is going to these spaces where all of this information sharing is happening. We're just all working just like the biology. We're exchanging buckets yeah, sure. of goodness with each other and then carrying them b- back to another bioregion and saying, oh, will this work in your soil? Oh, I wonder if this will work with your right. crop. Here's the open book of a grower's program. Let's right. see if this works here. Yeah, uh, I love it. That's how you find freedom too. Yeah. You find freedom from, yeah, from systems that have, yeah. that have held you to. For sure. It's so interesting. Big ag, big food, and how it plays into the policies that are there, the foods that are subsidized in America that are also making us sick. Unfortunately, it all connects. It's like the whole, you pull the thread, the whole sweater unravels, like it all (laughs) is connected. Okay. My listeners love learning about farming and soil, but also are people like me who I wish I had thousands of acres and I don't. So can the little people use in soil? Like I literally have 12, 14 houseplants and also a garden. Can I use in soil on my houseplants, on my garden? Tell me about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. When we, so when we first started, we were doing infield trials at Iron Horse and, but also the ecology work that I was doing was helping families and small farms and businesses get back in tune and growing their own. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've used in soil and everything from food forest projects and small gardens and at the pink house and community gardens those are the spaces where in soil really shines because mm. you have a lot of children mm. working and right. just directly working in the garden. And then you know what you're spraying out right. into the garden is not yeah. going to harm anybody. You sure. don't have to wear any masks. There's no certifications, no hazmat suits, no anything like this. So in small systems, algae is really easy to use, even with houseplants. We have a very small bottle that's available. It's a little dropper. And yeah, I was going to say, do you, dil- you ha- must have to dilute it or do you, you dilute do. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's a small bottle for houseplants and homeowners. You would have five milliliters to the gallon, a gallon and a half of water. Oh my Agitated a little bit. It just does not it. take much. It doesn't. Not at all. Not at all. And then we have a lot of folks who say they're plants they love to do when they're cleaning leaves or spritzing leaves. You can literally see after they've been sprayed with insula, there's just a they're happy. Vibrancy that happens. <laughs> I love it. I cannot wait to make all my plants so happy. So happy. Oh, I love it so much. Okay. Thank you for sharing with us. I want to ask you the last question that I ask everybody. So when you're at the end of your life and you're looking back, what does a successful life look like to you? Oh, wow. You just made me teary. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, I think about that all the time. What is your, what are you leaving behind? Yes. I think I'm going to leave behind that I've made myself a useful instrument to the earth and to the spirit. And I did try with all the knowledge that I had to do better for everyone behind me, for my girls, for whoever may come after me, anybody in my family and not in my family, just the world in general. I strive and um, I thrive in a loving environment. So I try to leave that behind. Also know that everything that's shifting. And when we talk about climate change and all of the things that are happening that do seem scary, there's a lot of healing in decay. There's healing after chaos. And these are just the systems that we live in. We want to contribute to the balance. And I think that's yeah. what I'll, I hope that I 
I, I, it may not be that I become the leader of something or grand this or that, but I think wherever I go, I try to make people feel happy and I try to make the plants feel happy and <laughs> share good spirit with them. And I, that's what I'll leave behind. <laughs> I love it so much. That. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Meredith. Thank you so much for having me. We all, the whole team really appreciates you giving time and space to our story and our mission. And we're looking forward to anybody who wants to reach out to us and I appreciate what you're doing. Yes. Thanks so much. Farmers listening, people who want to get it in soil.com. Yep. Yep. Enlightened soil. soil is the website. Perfect. Awesome. And And you can also reach out to us on social media. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Meredith, for being on the show. It was such a delight and such a treat. Listeners, it is conversations like these that keep me going, honestly. Like, it is conversations like these that make me feel like we really can heal this planet that we're living on. And maybe sometimes some of the solutions are actually right in front of us and really, really simple. I hope you loved learning about insoil algae as much as I did. If you're interested in getting insoil algae either for your own home use, whether that's with your houseplant or with your garden, or you have a larger application if you're a farmer, please be sure to check out the links in the show notes so that you can get insoil algae for whatever you need it for. Thank you so much for listening today, and I will see you next week. 